Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know I have been moving the last couple of weeks, and so the podcast has been off to a bit of a slow start, unfortunately. Um, but I will be adding more guests as the week go on, and I'm finally settled in the new place, so there should be some episodes at least once a week is what I'm aiming for. Um, for this episode, I'm going to be talking to my friend Jackie. So uh, I'll head on over, and we can start the episode. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, today I'm going to be speaking with Jackie Triber. Uh, she's a local artist, recovering writer, and collagist residing in Spokane. Uh, her art is often psychedelic, surreal, and focused on the stories of women. Um, I had previously had the pleasure of working alongside Jackie at Treatment, in which she has now moved on to a marketing position with Gonzaga. Um, today we're going to just speak a little bit about who she is, being a collagist in Spokane, um, being a woman in the arts community, and just pick her brains on how she feels about everything creative. So without further ado, my name is Connor Bacon, and this is A Lapse in Time. Jackie, good afternoon. Mm, good afternoon to you too. Hello. Um, let's open up a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what got you into the arts. Yeah, sure. So I am, as you said, a collage artist. I've been doing that for about six years now. Prior to that, I was a writer. That was my central identity for the longest time of my life. Um, I kept hitting uh, several blocks with writing, and I felt like... My creative life was over in a lot of ways. Uh, I also had a partner at the time who was telling me that my writing was more of a hobby than it was an art form. Yeah. So that really kind of yeah, cinched, <laughs> yeah, cinched the deal. Sorry to open open this up with a bummer <laughs> of a tale. You're dropping um, bombs out here on the podcast today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that, you know, that that actually inspired me to figure it out, figure out like other modes of creative expression. Um I had really latched on to the idea that I was centrally a writer and that was it. Um, so I had that dry spell. I was living in Portland, Oregon at the time. I went to a collage night uh, hosted by my friend Kevin Samsel, who I'm still close friends with. Um, and it was just this freeform space to be with other people and to make collage work. And I just sort of tinkered around and tore things out of National Geographics like most people. <laughs> and um, kind of assembled some really freeform, subtle works of art. And then over the last six years, I've really, I really believe I've honed my own style and my own methodology. And that's kind of what brings me here today. That's, that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, six years. So yeah. cool. So where did you where did you grow up then? Did you because I think you're from the south, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> or somewhere over there. That's the for most Northwesterners, it seems like anywhere like east of the Cascades is like the <laughs> south, which I guess you know. You're currently. from California. You're a southerner, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're from Mexico, right? Um, that's always been a hard question for me to answer. I'm from all over. I grew up 
um, a lot in Kansas, but also in Kansas, or sorry, in Florida. I've lived in like nine different oh, wow. places, states. Yeah. So uh, prior to living in Spokane, I lived in Portland, Oregon for 13 years. Before that, I was in Kansas. Before that, I was in New York, back and forth between that and Kansas. And it's just... So you've seen some shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> been a wild ride. It's yeah. been a wild ride. And I've been here now in Spokane for three years i think it was august 2017 that we moved here so did you go from being a writer to a collagist or have you have you always been into art like from a young age or how did like what was the progression i guess of that yeah i'd say i've generally been an a creative person who has needed to make it is like a compulsion for me uh and as a kid i definitely tinkered around with like building things like i would build my sister like dollhouses and stuff out of cardboard like the yeah. most weird like I wasn't even into dolls I was just like let's do this uh <laughs> let's go um or I would work with clay and I'd build flowers out of clay um but um and then alongside that I would just constantly be writing so in in one form or another I've been a generative person an experimental person sure um and yeah so I think I've always been kind of drawn to Creating stories and building things. That's kind of the I like blueprint of my identity, I think. Yeah. So where do you start? When you get into a collage, like what's your starting point? Are you starting with the story first or are you just starting with nothing? I hate to this sounds like a cop out, but a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> um I like to come to each piece with a bit of a beginner's mind or blank slate and because that's all you have really. Sure. Um it's the blankness before the universe is created and um sometimes I go to a piece with a little bit of visioning something that's built up much like writing um that's sort of built up over time like a residue that I kind of just want to get it out somehow um that could be like line shapes contours textures figures um or just a feeling and then I kind of um will then spend the time looking for those elements out in the wild, out in life to bring them together into what I was, that sense I had or that story that I had. Um, And then as I'm sure this happens for a lot of artists, the story or narrative kind of comes together in the process. So I don't always have like a fully baked dish ready to go before I sit down to make art. It just kind of, I don't know, magically comes together. Yeah. That's interesting. And then yeah. so you're doing all cut and clip, right? So you're pulling things from, like you said, National Geographic. And then are you just glue sticking it down onto like cardboard paper or how, like, what are your tools? So up until about a year ago. So basically once the pandemic started, I switched to digital. So I've been doing a lot Ooh. of digital collage using, cool. yeah, it's been a completely different process. So I'll describe that first. Um, I'm now using Procreate and I'm using a program called Paper. Um, both allow me to cut and paste, if you will. Sure. <laughs> um, but they also offer me like different paintbrushes and, um, markers and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, prior to that, I was a paper collagist or analog artist as most people refer to it. And that was a process of, uh, using an exacto knife or like tiny scissors, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, cutting out people backgrounds and shapes to create this like 
new hole out of these disparate parts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of glue, glue sniffing and uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of that lacquer. Yeah. <laughs> and some accidental cuts and nicks here and there, but yeah, it was um, mostly cutting and pasting and arranging and, I guess on top of that, I was also doing some 3D like sculptural collage too, where I was like folding things so they could stand on their own and not necessarily be um, pasted to a background, Sure, which was really fun. But that's also kind of like on the edge of collage, like right. bordering on sculpture. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're leaking into performance art at that point. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's my next move. You, you called it, Connor. You, you know are me now so well. the collage. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you just tape pieces of clothing to different parts of your body. Hey, I've, I've, I've actually thought one. about it. <laughs> it could be cool. Yeah. Same with like um, clothing design. Like I think collage and clo clothing design could be really cool. Yeah. So. So then with the digital, because I, I just recently I got an iPad as well and I've been dabbling Ooh. in Procreate. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's cool, but mm -hmm. I'm confused uh, most of the time. <laughs> so are you cutting with paper and then you're pulling those images into Procreate and then that's where you're doing, or can you cut it all in Procreate? You, t you can, and I'll actually echo what you just said about being confused with Procreate because, yeah. <laughs> um, like I said, I'm an I'm, I was firstly an analog artist, and slipping into digital and using Procreate has been a little bit of a learning curve for yeah. me, including the cutting process. Um, the other app I mentioned, Paper, which I think um, has been around for a few years, you can, you can cut a little more easily. So often I will do a background in Procreate, and then transport or import it into paper yeah. and then do my cutting there. So what I, what the freedom, the freedom of um, digital art now that's offered, what it's offered me is that I can often go out and take my own photos and then cut those out instead of relying on old magazines or not geos. Sure. Yeah. So it's really my creative process from the start to the finish yeah. versus me being like, ooh, what can I steal? Like, yeah. <laughs> collage is a lot of thievery. Yeah. Well, I think most, uh, what do they say? Like, good artists steal and mediocre artists something. I don't fucking know. <laughs> but they say something about that. Like, how do you feel then about, like, the stealing of it? Are you, are you, have you, like, grown opposed to it as time has gone on? Or do you think that, like, you know, nothing's new under the sun and that everything is, you know, a remix? That's what I learned in college. Shout out to Travis if you're listening. Um <laughs> Yeah, like, what, like, what's your take on that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think collage, yeah, is inherently kind of a subversive art form. Like, you can go out and basically steal um, large corporations' logos if you want to and their colors and their photography. You know, say you have, like, a fashion mag magazine in front of you and, like, Armani put together a, a photo shoot. Like, you can go in and just fucking steal their work. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which as like an anti-capitalist, uh, it feels kind of like good and warm inside. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Give me more. Ooh, for the greater good of socialism. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. We, we didn't know this podcast was going to take this turn, but here we are. Uh, um, yeah. So I think, I think the like originators of collage, which I think it goes back like quite far, but like the modern originators of collage were Dadaists and surrealists. Mm, yeah. And I think they were really into thumbing their nose at established, um, other established artists and also just like the burgeoning, um, development of, uh, capitalism. I think they were just kind of like, Ooh, how can we like hijack this message that they're trying to give us? Um, so on one hand, I think there, there's like originality in stealing from others and putting that together into making your own thing. Um, the idea of there's nothing new under the sun, 
I don't agree with that. I've never agreed with that. I think there's always something new to discover. And that's like what makes art exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah, so. I agree. I mean, even if right. you have the same, you have the same format of something, but even by rearranging it slightly, it's still different. Um, and it might not be, I don't know. I, I actually um, read a quote on the cinema of, of Tarkovsky Instagram this morning that yeah. I really enjoyed. And actually, I should just read it. Please because do. It was, uh, uh, it was really good. And I read it this morning. Let me pull it up here just mm-hmm. a quick second. Um, so it said, um, end quote, I wrote earlier of the mutual dependence of the cinematic image and the experience of author and audience. Prose, too, of course, relies on the reader's emotional, spiritual, and intellectual experience, as does all art. And the interesting thing about literature is that however minute the detail which the author puts into each page, the reader will still uh, read and see only what he has been prepared for by his own and only his own experience. By the mold of his character, since these have formed the predilections and idiosyncrasies of taste which have become a part of him. Pause. Uh, those are really big words, and I didn't stumble on those. So <laughs> thanks, guys. Um, not even the most naturalistic and detailed passages of prose remain within the writer's control. Whatever happens, the reader will perceive them subjectively. Cinema is one, or is the one art form where the author can see himself as a creator of an unconditional reality, quite literally, of his own world. In cinema, man's innate drive to self-assertion finds one of its fullest and most direct means of realization. A film is an emotional reality, and that is how the audience receives it as a second reality. Um, mm. So, in you know, deconstructing that passage, um, I think it's really interesting that like you can you can create something and you have your own um, you know your own idea of what it means to you, but no matter whatever you think that is going to mean to other people, as soon as it hits their eyes, they attribute their own experience to it and it becomes their own and they might not even be capable of seeing it how you did. And even if you explain it how you you know, wanted it to be, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a chance that they're going to look at it and be like, oh, I don't get it. Or like, oh, this means this completely different thing to me. And that like, I think that applies to all the arts. I mean, they yes. he speaks about it as just, you know, cinema is unique in that way. And I think it is, but um, I think any any piece of art, the way that you're going to relate to it is highly subjective. And it's cool as an artist to be able to just put something out there and be like, okay, take this how you will. Like, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I love that you read that passage because that, that I think is something I think about a lot and something I kind of am into is the death of the author. Like he talks about cinema, but like, like you said, that's applicable to all sorts of art forms. And as a writer, we were always thinking about like our intention when we wrote something. Um, and there's, a whole sort of philosophy of this. I think it's called like, you know, death of the author or authorial intent and how that's not really a thing anymore. Cause you're right. Like if you treat every art piece as a text, um, you could essentially have your reader offer something completely different than what you were expecting. Um, so how do you feel about that? Like, does that, when you're, when you saw that quote and you read it, it sounds like you, you, shared it I know you did because I saw it earlier on Instagram uh that you maybe believed that as well like do you also feel like oh yeah absolutely I think it like I, it deeply resonates to the point where I mean I don't think that like so the, some of my favorite photographs I've ever taken right and it like it just deeply enriches me like I can just feel I'm like oh my god like, <laughs> I love this photo like this one hanging over here yeah um, that's beautiful. I love that photo I was walking down the Monroe Street Bridge in the fog and I was just this some dude in a trench coat was walking by wow. and it like to me it it is kind of this relationship that I have with Spokane right of like it's kind of always been this misty ethereal place that like I don't always feel super comfortable in but there's times where I have and there's times where it's felt like home and it's always felt like 
I don't know, all these different things, but uh, some other person could look at that and be like, oh, it's some dickhead on a bridge. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> like, that's what we have. Uh, so it's cool for me. I think you can almost hide behind that, guys, when you're creating something. And, um, you know, like you can you can really get deeply invested in your work and then not feel offended if someone else has a different, um, you know, a different view of it or a different relation to what you created, which I think it helps a lot with that maybe artist's ego that some artists really oh, are yeah. attached to the things that they make is I don't think I'm attached to too many things. I am probably attached to my own ideas. Um, but you know, in terms of like when I create something and someone goes, Oh, well I feel like it, you know, interprets this like, Oh cool. I'm really glad that, that you had that experience. Like that's really awesome. Yeah. It almost like begs the question as to like whether you created that thing just for that experience, like just for another person to interact with something that you brought to the world. Like yeah. that's kind of your, role in life in a way um or that's the role of art um yeah I've always felt kind of like on un unattached to my artwork like once I make it I kind of forget about it <laughs> yep same it's just kind of like or I'm also not the type of artist who like spends hours and hours agonizing over my art I'm I'm just kind of like it is kind of like a transformative experience where I go in, I do it, and then it's like, oh, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> like I wake up out of a stupor. I'm like, holy shit, yeah. what did I just do? You find that flow state. You find that point. And I think that's what, at least for me, that's my favorite thing about it. Probably the only reason I even mm -hmm. do it, to be honest, because if, if I was doing it for, you know, like the fulfilling you know views of other people or anything like that, I think I would, I'm already burnt out on that aspect of it. I don't really care what people, th like maybe at least, I don't know, consciously, I feel like I don't really care what people think about the images on Instagram and stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. I'll post things from my trips or, you know, more experiential things. I'm not really posting a lot of the good ones that I take. Um, I'll print them out and I'll put them in a folder and then I'll go <laughs> revisit them in a year <laughs> or like that. I think that to me is, but the, the actual creation of it is that's like the sacred time, you know, that like hour or whatever, where you're just completely enveloped in whatever you're doing. And I think people probably experience it outside of art, you know, mm -hmm. um, in whatever their their lane of experiences. Engineers, I'm sure, get sucked into, you know, equations and calculations. And like, you know, that probably grinds the same gears that this does for um, artistic people. Mm -hmm. um, I, tangent, I don't know where I was going with that. But. Well, that's <laughs> fine. Um, so when you were a kid, uh, I know this is a podcast. But, uh, <laughs> oh, so, the tides have turned. Yeah. Who's asking who? <laughs> Um, so when you were a kid, like, did you, did you get pretty, like, were you an imaginative kid? No, what, did, no, not at all. Really? I was, well, maybe, I don't know. I think like growing up, I was never, I never had the, um, uh, my parents were never like, oh, you're going to be the creative one. You're going to be the artist. You're, mm -hmm. Like I was never really the one that I was always very heady, you know, very like intellectual, very up in my head. Yeah. And I think even until, I mean, even into college, I was accidentally became a graphic designer. It was not my intention. I went in there wanting to be a music major. So maybe I was creative in music um, in that way. Got it. But I was like, uh, the lady, the counselor said, well, you need another math class. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, what else do you have? <laughs> like, what else can I do? I could be, I could have become, became an aerospace engineer at that point, but they probably would have had to do more math. So, um, <laughs> You know, this is like, well, I have this graphic design program. And I was like, well, I can't really draw. I uh, can't render very well. But like, sure. Like, yeah, let's let's try, try it out. It. Let's give it a go. <laughs> and it was cool, man. It was like it was all a creative thinking degree. It was a degree that was based around like, um, you know, how to creatively think. And that was something I'd never even experienced before. And I think that 
one through line with the podcast that I've really enjoyed too is like anyone can do it. You don't have to be that super ultra creative person at a young age. Like mm-hmm. you can come into it. Anyone can come into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's uh that's actually a really good point. So I I'd love to know more about how you like pivoted from graphic design to film. Cuz uh, like you really excel at that. Like It was a weird <laughs> It's all been weird. So it, I mean, we can get into we can get we go, we go wherever we want to go. Um, so there's uh, where do I want to go with this? I think the way that my brain works, and it's like best explained in some things I've read about like Ayurvedic medicine. I don't know if you ever read yes. anything about that, but yeah. um, I'm like uh, uh, Vata Pitta, which is like um, air and fire, mm-hmm. and so essentially it's like. I move very quickly from one thing to another, but then as soon as I get to the new thing, I pursue it with an intense fire until the fire burns out, and then I move on to the next thing. Um, I think that's been a, my my mom still to this day would like you know whenever I bring my girlfriend over, she'll joke all the time about oh he always would pick something up and get good at it and then quit and then like and I feel like that's just how I've always been like I yeah um, but the nice thing about film and stuff like that and I'll, I will answer the question um, is that I think it's a never ending pursuit of being really good at it. I mm-hmm. haven't, I don't think I'll ever reach a point where I'm like, okay, well, I'm bored of this. Cause there's so many ways you can always improve at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like math where there's like a benchmark where it's like, okay, well I've done calculus. I'm cool. I mm-hmm. can move on now. Um, but, oh, I said I was going to answer your question. And I forgot it. What'd you say? Oh, how I got to film. So yeah. So <laughs> I was in the graphic design program and, um, and I was like, man, like I'm an okay illustrator but not I mean, nothing great, you know, like I'm more on the tech side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had not really had a camera ever up until that point. Wow. Like I had a video camera when I was younger and it was a little one. I did these stupid little YouTube vlogs where I would talk into the camera and I have these videos online <laughs> I want still. To see them. I'll show you after this, but I can <laughs> okay. never see the light of day after that. Um, but like just these little vlogs when I was way younger. But outside of that, I never really had a camera. Um, I've always liked documenting things. But mm-hmm. so I was like, well, you know, the the um, competition is steep, you know, coming out of school, there's not very many design jobs and, you know, there's really good designers out there and people who are just like naturally talented. Yeah. It's like, well, so in all of my divine wisdom, I was like, Oh, I'll buy a camera and that will be not competitive. (laughs) Like, like there's, there's no way that people are going to be out there trying to take photos and videos. And Oh God, was (laughs) I wrong? Um, But yeah, I mean, I just, I've just been lucky. I think I've been really lucky. I mean, I had a mm. professor that helped me get the job at treatment. Um, he, you know, connected me with Benji and then yeah. I did some video for the Humane Society and he was like, well, we need someone to do video. I was like, okay. And I had not, I didn't know anything about it. Like it was, I was pretty garbo. I just read a lot of manuals on how to use a camera. And, um, and then, you know, Tobias, who actually did the song for the podcast, uh, mm. he helped me out a lot in his few months before leaving. Mm-hmm. And then I've just have like, I guess I've just obsessed over it ever since. And <laughs> that's where I've landed. I love this journey. <laughs> yeah. It's so lovely. Cause like, um, you know, like you said, I'm not at treatment any longer, but like that your video work is what inspired me to want to work there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Nice. Like I love hearing the, the zero point to like where you are now because you really like excelled. You're like one of my favorite videographers in town. Well, so yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't feel like that. <laughs> you <laughs> I, should, seriously. I feel like that. And I don't think I have full blown imposter syndrome, but there's like a, a side of me that's like, dude, like I don't I there's like people who went to film school and like learned all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, I just had good opportunities. And then instead of being like, Oh, I don't know how to do that, I try to lean towards like, well, I can figure that out. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm sure 
I'm sure there's a, something I can do to learn how to do that stuff like that. You know, I've, I have, I don't have a hard time learning things. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, you know, maybe I can figure it out. And I still, I mean, there's still, obviously there's always gonna be people that are better than you. Um, I think I have a better grasp on photography, honestly, but don't tell anyone that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder yeah. if that's the kernel of what makes a good or decent artist is like this curiosity or willingness to learn. Oh yeah, I bet. Like, yeah. Cause I, I think, you know, half of it's perspiration, half of it's like, you know, God, God given talent. <laughs> you uh, can render a portrait with a perfect nose <laughs> and beautiful hands. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that attitude you have of like, well, if I don't know it, I can learn it. It's sure. like maybe half the equation at least. Yeah. Did you go to, did you go to school for writing? I'm going to pivot a little bit. Um, or did you, have you just always written? I've always written, but then I decided I think foolishly to get a degree in, you know, English and creative writing. Sure. And I say foolishly because a lot of what I wrote during that time was academic writing. And I was sitting in workshop circles with people who did not take writing quite as seriously. And I also got some very like early formative experiences with teachers where they kind of discouraged me and were like, I don't really get what you're doing. Yeah. And I think as a young person with not a lot of support, both at home and in school, like that kind of made me feel like I needed to conform with my writing. Yeah. So once I was done with, so I wrote some real weird shit. Like my, <laughs> <laughs> my poetry and short stories were much like my art, like psychedelic, surreal, like an emphasis on weird words um, and weird people and people with, you know, unreliable narrators and characters. Um, then when I finished school, everything I wrote felt really like mechanical and robotic. And that might've been sort of the death knell or beginning of the death of my like true spirit and passion for writing. Yeah. Um, but obviously like that didn't stop, stop my like more, inborn creative spirit because I realized I still needed to make something and I still needed to make something weird apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> weird is good. Yeah. Weird yeah. And I, I'm currently in, you know, crossroads that I think a lot of artists reach, which is like, do I need formal training? Yeah. Like, should I pursue a higher, like a, 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 an elevated degree? Cause like part of me is like, I'm a, I think I'm a lot like you where I'm like, I see something really like interesting and cool being done in the world. And I'm like, I want to, I think I could do that. You know, like right now I'm looking at animation and I'm looking at illustration and I'm just like, how can I do more of that? Yeah. You know? And, and while part of me is driven by my curiosity and thinks I can figure it out. Another part of me is like, I need someone to hold my hand. Yeah. And tell well, are me. you uh, are you like a, um, like a visual, auditory, or what's the other one? Learners. Um, I think there's like tactile. There's tactile, oral. The like you're, you can learn by hearing. Yeah. Um, I definitely think I'm a kinetic. I think kinetic is another one where yeah, you same. like take things to, like, apart. Be and yeah. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense with the stuff that you do with you know video and, yeah. and photography. You have like, to feel it out. Exactly. Yeah. It's got to be like almost like a body, uh, body sense with whatever you're doing. So yeah, I think mine's kinetic and also visual which would make sense. Sure. Like, uh, honestly, oral, like listening to things is a lot harder for me to, Same. to grasp. That's why I didn't do very well in school. Cause it's yeah. like, I have some asshole talking at me and I'm like, I don't, okay, let me do something. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, like I don't, I, I don't follow just words or yeah. Oh, me neither. I need to like figure it out for myself. Yeah. And actually, um, 
I know this is like a real roundabout like circle to what you were talking about with, um, I guess, doshas or Ayurvedic medicine. There's also another, um, I guess, system is what you would call it, called um, human design. And it's kind of a lot of layers that involve things like the doshas, but also um, this sort of like, I don't know what you call it, maybe a modality. But one of mine <laughs> is called uh, manifesting generator. Yeah. And that's somebody who um, needs to learn by doing, but also like pursues and pivots quickly. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know why I brought that up. Yeah. But I just wanted to to bring that up as maybe like another option for you you to look into as well. So you feel like because do you ever feel self conscious about the fact that you like have maybe moved through things quickly? Yeah, yes. there's a certain sense of I, what I, I wonder though. I wonder if it's born from like a, a oh not like a eh, maybe maybe like a childhood shame of it. You know, like I think that you and uh, Luke and I talked about this in the last episode a bit how. Um, like when you're bouncing, like the society that we live in isn't necessarily geared towards people that bounce from one thing to another. No. Like success is seen as people who stick with one thing and they follow through with it for 20 plus years yeah. and they become a doctor and whatever, or a lawyer, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I think it's just a different type of success. And I'm, I'm maybe learning that now. Uh, but I mean, there, there will always be a bit of self-judgment, I think, for... You know, like, well, why can't I just stick with this one thing? Like, why can't I just, you know, I wish that I was, I wish I was like these people who are producing these amazing videos because that's what they do every single day. They wake up, they make videos, boom, they never get bored. Life is good. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, I get up, I make a video, I have a burst of creativity for 24 hours, and then I don't want to touch my camera for three days. And like, <laughs> that is how I operate in almost every facet. And it's like, I will hyper obsess over the littlest things too, like, you know, I'll go and buy a bunch of rock climbing gear and then go rock climbing for two months and then be like, okay, I'm bored. And then go find something else. And like, so I think I've eased into it. I don't know that I have that self hatred <laughs> <laughs> anymore. Uh, I think I feel better about it nowadays. I've just kind of, I think I've accepted myself a lot in the recent years in general. And so, you know, if that's the way that I am, then that's the way that I am. I just, I, I jump the fuck around. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I do too. And I, I, I feel or sense that collage probably won't be like the end game for me. I'm sure, sure. there will be some other pursuit that, that I do. And I think, yeah, I think we should just not feel ashamed about that. Yeah. Like that's just who we are. It's a no shame game. Nope. Do you, uh, you were talking about video stuff for a while there. Are you still doing like documentary type of things? Are you still filming stuff and here and there? Um, that is another thing that I feel like I need I need to be in concert or community with other people to sure. learn more about it. Um, I have a lot of documentary ideas, um, things I'm really passionate about. And I think this is maybe another thing that needs to be articulated. I have a lot of ideas and a lot of passion about things, but then I run into this wall of like, well, shoot, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to get from A to B. Um, and film is one of those things where I think documentary film is a super powerful medium. I yeah. mean, s there are documentaries out there that have like overturned legal decisions. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Thin Blue Line, I'm thinking of, for instance. Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> radically changed the world of feline care. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm right now I'm not, I'm not doing anything with film other than like, occasionally making videos for the college, sure. you know, at, you know, at Gonzaga. Um, 
but it, that might be something I pivot to in the future. Um, I just need, I just need to spend the time and sit down and like learn the mechanics of it and, or just learn my place in that world. Because sure. as you know, with filmmaking and, and producing videos, there's so many different roles that you can fit. Oh, um, yeah. And I mean, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you could, you could be a shooter, you could be a videographer, you could also be an editor. I mean, I'm like the ideas person. So like, where does that come in? Yeah, like a director. <laughs> probably be yeah. better suited director. And then you get to tell someone, hey, this is the idea. And then your DP would say, okay, well, this is how we light it. This is how we set the camera. This is the focal length, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And you know, you kind of work in tandem with someone who handles the tech side, but you just get to say, I don't really care how we get there. This is just what I want to happen. And then that's you know, the life of director. <laughs> that's pretty much what I want. <laughs> yeah. So do that. I think that might be a, you know, if you, if you come up with a storyboard and some ideas and things that you want to do, mm-hmm. I will move the camera for you. If that's yes. all that you need. So, um, cause I mean, I don't, I, cause I don't fall on that end of things. I, I don't, I'm not a person who will sit down and write out a script of characters and scenes and all this stuff. Like mm-hmm. I really enjoy the tech. I really enjoy like making things look like old <laughs> or vintage or like, yeah, or just like the making things look the way that they look, not necessarily having an idea for the grand scheme of the story or whatever. Mm-hmm. I like small shorts, um, especially with photos, even like, you know, five photo um, series of like all themed or whatever. But in terms of getting into the weeds of stories and all that stuff, I no no thank you. You're, you're almost like an on the scene problem solver. Like I've seen it. You like, we've got a lighting issue and you're like, okay, let's, after I have a brain aneurysm (laughs) (laughs) but you figure it out and every ultimately it looks good but like I'm kind of in awe of like how like by the millisecond you are about like decision making it's it's pretty cool for compliments I know I'm sorry this is not what I signed up for you're my friend man (laughs) you're like where's the snark where's the snark oh that's funny well thank you I appreciate that yeah no problem uh, yeah it's been a it's been weird it's definitely been weird um, okay, so we had another note that I wanted to touch on mm-hmm. before we end this. We can still have a little bit of time. Um, we were only about a half an hour in. So, okay, we've talked a lot about collage. Um, we'll talk a little bit about, yeah, being a woman in the arts here in town and your experience with that and, like, how that is, you know, different in good ways or maybe it's been different in, in bad ways. And, like, maybe even, you know, tips to women coming through, you know, arts programs, design programs and wanting to, you know, just be a value like to feel valuable I guess um yeah so as far as being a woman specifically in the world I mean that's like another like two-day podcast maybe even more (laughs) but um I don't want to like harp on Spokane um, but they're not listening I promise. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, Spokane's a pretty masculine town. You yeah. know, it's an old railroad town. Um, you know, men were coming here for work. Um, and I think they still are. And I think that the town supports that dominance of masculine energy. And so I think it, it's taken years for Spokane to, like, become, flir- you know, to flourish and to recognize things that aren't, like, the tough gruff Spokane um (laughs) and we've we've seen some really beautiful work come as a result of that um not only from you know feminine folks but to you know non-binary folks and you know um all expression of gender through art um so I I don't I, I can't say that I've experienced too much like bias against me as a woman 
with regard to art. Um, I will say I'm going to be married to somebody who is is a man, and uh, he's also an artist who's found a lot of success in the art world, um, both through film and installation work. And um, sometimes his reputation precedes him, and so we'll like we'll you know we'll be out, and people will talk like directly to him, and not to me, and. Uh, it's just kind of weird where it's like we're both artists, you know, yeah. and this is a lifelong commitment of mine. And, um, no, I haven't been on the, in the MoMA <laughs> and no, I haven't gone to Sundance. Well, I have technically, but you not been in Sundance. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm still somebody who, this is like such a big part of my life and what I want to do in the world and how, like how I want to make it better. And, um, and I would really hope that people can look past my gender and just talk to me um, and recognize me and like look me in the eye and have a conversation with me. And um, I've felt like maybe there's a little bit of a popularity contest sometimes. Um, it's definitely not the gatekeeping that I saw in Portland. Sure. No way. Like yeah. hands down Spokane is like way more welcoming in a lot of ways. Um, but sometimes when you are like alongside your male partner, sometimes people will kind of look past you. Yeah, specifically in the arts community you're talking about, or people yeah. that, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder, like, be, I wonder what the difference is between, like, say, here in Portland. It probably just, like, being a bigger city, Portland probably has maybe, a diff like, a differing hierarchy. It's funny, when I think of Spokane, I don't think of anyone as being, like, elite here. Like, I don't think of any, like, I don't mm -mm. think we have any just, like, well, there, okay, there's some amazing artists, like, Ronaldo, is an amazing artist. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there, there are others as well. Like, I'm, you know, I just pick him out because he's really good at what he does. <laughs> he is. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in terms of like, but even then, super humble, very nice person. Um, I Absolutely. don't think we really have any high, high nose snobs, you know, at no. least that I've run into here in town. No, I would agree with that. We don't have any like, and we also don't have any like blue chip, like, like, I don't know, high, high end artists, you know, we do like here and there, but like sure. they're, they're not, I agree. There, there isn't a lot of like elitism in this town, which yeah. I really appreciate. So my knock is like probably something that would apply to anywhere where like somebody knows my partner, like, sure. And, and, and I think that was like true in Portland as it is in Spokane. So, yeah. um, that's probably more my shit than it is the world's. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, and then I think as far as advice to um, women who make art or um, people who just don't fit into the gender binary, um, you know, making it in the world, I think really just the world, just, just knowing that, like, often the world is not going to believe in you. And often the world won't believe in what you're doing. And there's almost a freedom in that. It sounds kind of negative right off the bat. That like, oh, the world doesn't care about what I do. But honestly, I've felt it to be pretty liberating. It's like, well, if I acknowledge that from the get-go, then I'm not trying to prove myself to anybody. So I don't know. Maybe that's applicable to, to anybody. But like, I feel like women in particular are definitely, have definitely absorbed the imposter syndrome mm. for sure. And they think, what, what, I could, what could I possibly offer? And I think maybe if you go into it thinking like, it doesn't really matter or I'm going to stick to my guns no matter what, or I'm going to just make what makes me feel good. Then I think you're on the right track. Yeah. 
I think that's how shit gets done, right? I think that's how that's how a lot of shit gets done mm-hmm. is women just being like, you know what, man? I don't care if you, I don't care what you think. I'm yeah. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, or if you think yeah. that I'm like, I'm not an expert or I'm not good. Cause like, if I'm like judging myself against your requirements, then I'm never, it's never going to move forward. The project's never going to move forward. And totally. I, I think there's a quote and I think I'll remember it, but it is, uh, <laughs> perfection is the enemy of, of the good. Oh yeah. You absolutely. know, yep. like the more I live you, by that. <laughs> it's such a good motto or, yeah. or phrase or whatever you want to call it. But like, I feel like I should just have that like tattooed on my body somewhere. <laughs> right on my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> so you look up in the morning and like, reverse it. Like, well, it's the mirror. <laughs> yeah. well, maybe not. I'm okay. I'm okay today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So with like people coming out of college, especially it's a really intimidating place to be right it's really intimidating to come out and you have all these industry professionals these people doing it big and um and you know you're just this student who just learned how to do contour drawings like with your eyes closed and (laughs) and then to come out into the world you go oh shit like how do i you know like i think and i think the remedy to that lies in your answer that you just really have to not give a shit like there will always be people better than you there will always be people who are pumping out you know more content whatever and at the end of the day like if you just keep your nose, because you could sit on social media and scroll this all day long and be like, damn, I wish I was doing that. I wish I was doing that. Mm-hmm. But like literally turn your phone off, shut off your computer, go out front with a camera or with whatever mm-hmm. and just make something. And you're already a step closer to where you want to be than you would have ever been sitting there thinking about it. Yep. Um, and I think like doubt is probably the enemy of progression, right? Like Absolutely. If, if perfection's the enemy of good. Doubt is the enemy of perfection. Put that shit on a badge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> One that just sort of came up, and it's not even a question, is just like regarding social media and being an artist and making it, air quotes. Around. Yeah, what, is, like, what does that mean to make it as Ooh. An anything Ooh. in general? Yeah. Like, is it is it financial freedom? Is it clout? Is it mm-hmm. like, how does one measure making it? Or is it just being happy with whatever you're making? How would you define success? I I kind of consider myself a fairly ambitious person and I think actually Luke uh your last guest and my former boss <laughs> has called me ambitious I never knew if that was actually a good thing uh, <laughs> so and and maybe that ambition is really just rooted in like that creative energy that I just can't get rid of um I've been really wrestling that with that idea of like what is creative success because as I mentioned like my partner has done some really cool shit with his artistic career and done some stuff that I can only dream of. And still there's been times where he's been racked with, I could have done so much more or I can do so much more and I'm not, or um, those were the good old days and now where am I? And so like being an outsider to that, I kind of recognize that there really is no like, physical external marker to show you that you've succeeded that it really is a matter of I know this sounds so fucking cliche but like a matter of perspective and a matter yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. but even then you struggle um because like you also have the voice of society or your parents or whoever being like you know an artist isn't successful unless they're making money from it or they have 74,000 followers on Instagram sure you know so it is kind of a delicate balancing act of perspective and acceptance but also like you do kind of want to you do kind of want to be seen by your community so yeah. 
I have a question that ties in with that. Yeah. Because I think, and I'm probably at a crossroads between the two. Mm-hmm. So in your, in your level of enjoyment of creating and how that also relates to your job and whether or not you're working in the industry. Because I think in a way, I would say that success for me is being able to work and be creative at the same time. And that is like, like I don't really care how much I'm making as long as I'm able to do that because mm-hmm. you know I've made more money than I make now. I've made less and I've been equally unhappy on both ends of those spectrums. Yeah. I think that my base level of happiness comes when I'm able to, you know, do things in an environment around people that care about what I'm doing and, um, you know, care about what they're doing. And so that like, you know, the, the overall product is much greater. But I think that to me is success. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that. But that not that being said, so I had a question because now you're working in marketing. Mm-hmm. And so you're not necessarily working in a directly creative field, although I think you are still working creatively. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that that helps or hinders your creative process? Um, so to backtrack and, uh, to the job, um, there is some creativity in it and, you know, both visually and from a writer's perspective, I can really draft some mean copy about what other creative people are doing. Um, but I think maybe that's the tension I'm existing in right now is that like, I have a really good stable job surrounded by good awesome colleagues um but what I'd really love to be doing is actually creating and or helping other people create so teaching art maybe have you done have you done that before like where you've been full-time creative and like has that I don't know. There's part of, I, I, like, this is probably coming from a place I haven't, like, I probably haven't verbalized it. Like, there's times where I'm like, man, like, do I get so burnt out because I'm constantly doing it? Like, mm. would it actually help? Because when I was working as a produce salesman for a while, like, I had this, like, invigorating hunger to get off work and create for five, six, seven hours in the evening because, like, I didn't get to do it during the day. Yeah. And so I wonder if, like, some of that does drive a certain sense of creativity because there's times where, like, I feel like it is my job to be to think creatively all the time. And that is draining. Like that's hard. That's a, I think a a really good point. Um, yeah, I've wondered about that for you too. Um, I, I think most of my jobs where I haven't been creating most of the time I have gone home or snuck in like time on the job. (laughs) Don't tell me. Not naming any names. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) Um, I'm just spe- like specifically thinking of when I worked as like a front desk clerk at a hotel, I would like sneak with my little notebook and like write these like weird ass poems. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So I think, I think there's something to it. Um, oftentimes when you are like wrapped up into the work of creativity every day, din- day in, day out. Yeah. It can burn you out. Um, simultaneously, it might also inspire you. It just kind of, I think depends. Um, but yeah, right now, I mean, I think creativity is such a like priority of mine that if I am not able to do it do it during my day to day life, I would carve out the time to make it happen. So, so yeah, I think that answers your question. Yeah. Um, Regardless, and, and you're going to want to create, whether or not you're working in it or you're not. I guess the question is always like, well, are you going to be more happy when you're working full time in it, or? Or not. Where's and the grass 
like greener. Sure. And and that might I think that's probably where I land where I'm always like, well, if I wasn't working, then I'd have more drive. But then if I was working in something else, I'd be like, well, shit, I wish I was creating all the time. So I think I would probably prefer where I'm at right now mm -hmm. where it's like, although there is quite a bit of like mental pressure oftentimes versus like, say, you know, I'm working at Office Depot and I'm like, mm -hmm. hey, you can fix your computer. Um, <laughs> it definitely, I, I think, yes, I think it's a better spot to be in. And then I also feel like I progress at such a higher rate because I'm constantly doing it. Yes. Even if I'm grinding, it's like, okay, well, I'm still working out problems. I'm still figuring out different ways to do things. So ultimately, okay, it probably is better for progression in the long run. Yeah, anyways, right? I think so. Um, I mean, you're like... Even in marketing, which is not my life's passion, like I still want to be around other marketers and talk about marketing so I can be better at it. Sure. You know, um, that that like is tenfold for me in art and creativity. Like I would love like I would love to be surrounded by other creatives or not creatives. I fucking hate that word. <laughs> um, <laughs> other artists yeah. um, to to challenge each other and to grow and like to just get really good like that that's such a dream yeah um and i think that that tension again came up while i was working at treatment because i was a producer and right. i was managing other people's time yet on the side like i was writing scripts and writing brand strategies which requires like some creativity or writing emails and it was just like I think that's really what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And, and, and I think, <laughs> I think Luke and Benji were like, I think it is too, but <laughs> you're kind of sucking at the other parts. <laughs> so <laughs> we love you, but yeah. yeah. Um, Which is interesting. I mean, I think that like a little bit of a side tangent. So we have mm -hmm. Gilbert in the position now. Yeah. And he's very, he's very like that minded though. Like not really, he like, he wants to be around the creative people, but he doesn't, I don't think he wants to be creative. I think mm -hmm. he enjoys the managing of that. And like, and I can't, yeah, I can't imagine <laughs> having to do that while wanting to be creating things. Like I'd be pissed. I'd be like, dude, like I want to be doing the things that I'm scheduling people to do. Yeah. And then it's like, you just watch your eternal time clock ticking down as you're like, <laughs> well, maybe next year <laughs> I'll I, get there. <laughs> I would, I would honestly be jealous of you and, and, um, and Jacqueline and everybody else. Like, uh, cause I know there is constraints to your work and I'm not saying it's easy by any means, sure. but like you're kind of doing what you like love to do, you know, oh, you're, yeah. you're energized by that work. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something I really want in my life. And I just, I just don't know where that's going to come from. Start a workshop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah, I just don't know what that's going to look like. Well, ah. yeah, but I think we're going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. <laughs> I think, uh, again, this is a Tangent tangent King podcast. Um, I think, though, just doing something, right? It's the, you know, getting back into, like, Hinduism and Buddhism and whatever, all these kind of spiritual religions. Um, you know, a lot of it is, like, just doing, you know, mm. like taking that first step, which is the hardest step. And then rather than thinking or rather than... Because when you're thinking, you are not being, mm -hmm. you know, when you're, when you're theorizing, oh, well, or planning, especially you're not being, but when you're doing the thing, like once that you open the door to the workshop, well, now you're doing the thing and then it is now it's a real thing and it doesn't matter logistically how it was going to work out. Like mm -hmm. it will work out and things often do. Yeah, um, they do. They yeah. do. And, and, and I am, I'm like 70% doer, 30% thinker um, slash like 
fear monger for yeah. myself. <laughs> oh, see, I'm a good 75% fear monger for myself. Ooh. But, but somehow that 25% kicks the shit out of it every yeah, day. Yeah, dude, so. it wins. It wins. <laughs> yeah, you only need a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe my ratios are off. They might be They might be off. But yeah, the, the fear part kicks in, especially like in a month I'm going to be 39. Wow. And so like things like, retirement and having your shit together and you know, all this adult stuff that I think is a total scam. It is. Uh, My parents are <sighs> 50 in their mid fifties and just bought a cabin and spend every fucking weekend up there just hanging out by the fire and making, you know, um, whatever they call it, <laughs> where you, you change things about, I don't know. What's an R word? What is that word? Renovations. Holy shit. <laughs> Making renovations to the kids. Like, that's just what they do. And they both feel like kids again. And I don't, I don't, the age is honestly, yeah. as you get older, I think age still just is a number. As you know, your 50s, your, your 60s, your whatever, like you can still have a childlike. That's true. You know, that's true. I can just still be a dumb teenager for the rest of my life. I probably will be. Five but. it out. <laughs> be right there with you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I kind of just, I kind of have to like put an auric cloud around me that just like blocks out all of the messaging. That's like, you got to have a responsible career and do all this shit that makes you miserable. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want that. Just let it go, man. I think you just have to find a way to make money. And really, if you do that, Mm -hmm. then, you know, there's, and there's, there's people doing it. So that is the thing that gives me, yeah. you know, not to slip into ranges, end of his podcast. God, so many deep cuts. Is, <laughs> you know, Luke always asks people at the end of his podcast, like, what gives you hope? Well, I'm going to answer it for my own podcast, Luke, and you didn't even ask it to me. <laughs> I think what gives me hope is seeing that other people are doing these things. And if they can do it, I can sure as shit do it. And if they can do it, you can do it. And they're like, the only thing that differs from you and somebody else is probably like, I don't know how you look and maybe certain personality traits, but at the end of the day, like I'm pretty sure you can all figure it out, you know? Yeah. I, I did not expect to come away from this podcast feeling like I can do it, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I can. Like, yeah. and I, I think it comes, it waxes and wanes, you know, some days sure. I wake up and I'm just like, I am a fucking genius. <laughs> And that might be manic depression. <laughs> Cutter's like, I'm not even to hear the rest. I feel like I know where this is going. I think you're in mania, and that's okay, but we need to call the hospital. Oh, so God. I am a god. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. Some days I feel brilliant, and some days I'm just like, uh I'm just kidding. It's I, the I artist's that, life. Though. You yeah. know, you know oh, what's I know. up. I live it. There's days where you're just like, man, I can get all these things done. And then like weeks like this last week where after moving all my stuff, I just sat on the couch yesterday mm-hmm. and my girlfriend walked in and I just looked at her and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm done. (laughs) I'm not doing anything else for 24 hours. I don't want to talk about Mm, anything. That's really good that you notice that about yourself though. Yeah. Cause it could, you know, it's good that you can just take care of yourself. I think. Oh, I'm good at just shutting off. (laughs) It works for me. Okay. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thanks for having me. Um, We will have to do a two day podcast talking about (laughs) women's, uh, a place in the world as as told by Jackie Triber. Yes. Um, I'm here for it. And I can't wait. So, awesome. Well, thank you. Have a yeah. good rest of your day. Thanks.